The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this fabulous Wednesday. Happy hump day to you all out there. It is 7.02 on your Tucson Wednesday morning, and you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Glad to be with you here on this uh, penultimate day before the actual tournament begins. I know the play-in games and NCAA wants you to believe that this is part of the NCAA tournament. And technically it is, but these teams outside of, you know, UCLA making their run from a play into a Final Four last year, uh, largely these teams will be eliminated rather quickly in the NCAA tournament. So uh, we're all just kind of waiting for tomorrow morning, gearing up for that. Now, this is usually the time of year where I tell people, okay, you know, yesterday and Monday you should have already been laying the groundwork at at work. Like wherever you work, you know, on Monday – Maybe, you know, you, you you got a little less sleep the night before. You had a rough weekend or whatever, you know, out doing yard work or, you know, prepping your yard for spring or whatever it was. But you're a little tired maybe. And then Tuesday, maybe you've got a sniffle. You know, you're kind of like, <clears throat> you know, a little – your throat's a little sore maybe a little bit. Not not bad, but, you know, you got a little sniffle, maybe some drainage going on. You're like, ah, it's just probably allergies or something. And then today, it's like full on. You're coughing. Uh, you're blowing your nose a lot. You know, you're just like, man, I don't know. I hope I'm not coming down with something because you got to set it up because you can't just be like, I'm going to sick tomorrow. No, you got to set that up, man. Bosses see through that stuff. And look, you know, the bosses, you know, I guess it depends on where you work. They can either, you know, show up or not, but uh, they see through that stuff and, and they, you know, they may or may not be as uh, as forgiving as others. So that's why you got to lay the groundwork early. you got to set these things up, man. Like, you got to be smart about it. You can't just willy-nilly just call in sick on Thursday and be like, oh, oh God, I'm not feeling so good. And they're like, yeah, whatever, buddy. Sure. We, yeah, we believe you. <laughs> you got to, you know, there's there's something going on. It's funny. Like, you talk to people, and and if you if you tell them like you know, somebody says hey how you doing you're like oh I'm pretty good you know I got a little drainage oh yeah there's something going around my kids have got it so, like everybody will agree with you <laughs> you won't get any pushback from that like no one if you had gone into the office on Monday and you know the boss would be like hey man how was your weekend oh, I was pretty good I'm a little tired today I don't know I got maybe got a little drainage or something he wouldn't be like you're full of crap the NCAA tournament is starting on Thursday I know you better than this. Uh, don't try that with me. You're, you'll be here on Thursday. We have a big, uh, big presentation to prepare for. Nobody's, everybody will agree with you. Like, oh yeah, there's going something going around. My kids brought something home from school. Wife has been dealing with it. You know, every, everyone will agree with you. You, you have no problem. But if you just call in sick out of the blue on Thursday, it happened to be St. Patrick's Day and first day of the NCAA tournament. I can't remember the, the I can't remember any time that this happened. I'm sure it's happened before and probably more recently than I remember. That's probably indicative of the fact that I don't remember many St. Patrick's Days of my past. But regardless, <clears throat> tomorrow is going to be a beautiful holiday. St. Patty's Day and start of the uh, of the March Madness NCAA tournament. And uh, it's, it's, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's time for the madness. And the madness began last night. There was some, uh, a couple play-in games last night. 
Texas Southern punches their ticket into the dance, as does Indiana. Mike Woodson and his his team from Bloomington cash their ticket, and uh, they get to... uh, they get to now, you know, go into the tournament and see what they can do. They're going to be playing against Alabama. Or no, I'm sorry, not Alabama. Uh, they're going to play uh, St. Mary's. They're going to play, they get they get the uh, St. Mary's. Oh, they were the 12 seeds. So they get St. Mary's. St. Mary's, extremely disciplined, well-coached team. It seems like they have the exact same players every single year. Of course, they've had the same coach there forever uh, and same, you know, type of staff. And, and you know, basically the, the, you know, the, the path through there is uh, is always the same. So, Tough draw for uh, for Indiana. They're a pretty good squad, but I look to I look for St. Mary's to uh, to beat them on uh, on Thursday. So we'll look ahead. <clears throat> I've got my bracket. I don't have it like it's kind of filled out, but it's kind of not. Like I'm not one of those people that fills out 25 different brackets. Like I heard this morning on ESPN, they're like, you can fill out up to 25 brackets for your shot at twenty one hundred thousand dollars. Like, what fun is that? Like, why not just have a computer pick your brackets for you? Like, all right, computer, I need 25 different brackets. Go and spit them out. Like, that. maybe that's what people do. I don't know. Where is the the sanctity of, of filling out your own bracket, just having one bracket? Like, uh, 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 this will happen to me tomorrow. I'm, I'm meeting some buddies. We're going to be, you know, getting bright and early, sitting down, getting our table ready for the entire day to bother our waitress or waiter, uh, you know, by camping out for nine hours in some bar somewhere and watching all of the games with all of our nonsense spread out on the table and stuff like that. I will come to the table with my one bracket. This happens every single year. I'll come to my table with my one bracket and my buddies will sit down and they're like, well, this is my upset bracket and this is my West bracket. This is my, uh, this is my, you know, chalk bracket. And I've got this one here. This is like the actual bracket that I think is going to happen, but I've got all these other ones. I'm like, dude, <laughs> what, Get off, either, you know, bleep or get off the pot, man. Like, come out with a bracket. Just just one. Just one bracket is all you need. Now, mine, inherently, like it has been each of the last, like, three years, will be ready for kindling by Sunday, most likely. Um, I'm hoping that it isn't because, you know, in, in previous years, like, my champion has held on for a while. Like the team that I picked to win a championship has held on for quite some time, and then eventually they have either fallen by the wayside or, uh, as in last year, lost in the championship game. Um, I did have Gonzaga winning the uh, the championship last year, but lo and behold, he got blown out by Baylor in the championship game. I kind of saw it coming, actually. I was like, eh, this isn't looking good. I don't know about this. But uh, this year, and I'll unveil my bracket uh, before the end of the show today, and uh, you know, let you guys know. Kind of not, not, I'm not going to go through every single stinking pick, but I'll give you guys some of the upset picks that I have, and then I'll also give you my final four and my champion. So um, I'm still not set on it, though. Like I've got, like I fill out my bracket. I just, I just, I just go, I go through it. I just go boom, 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 boom. I just rip through it, and then I start going back and and kind of nitpicking. I'm like, oh, do I really want to pick that one over the eight seed there? There's got to be an eight over one upset somewhere. Um, you know, do I really want that one? Pardon me. Gonna sneeze here. Oh, <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> no cough button here. We're uh, nothing but professionals here at uh, ESPN Tucson on the Jeff Dean Show. Um, <laughs> so, so I'll have uh, I'll have a bracket breakdown for you there. Um, again, the, there's two more play-in games tonight. One of them will be of importance to Wildcat fans because we're going to find out who Arizona is going to play on Friday, whether it be Wright State or if it's uh, uh, Bryant. <clears throat> now, both those teams offer 
very different styles, very interesting um, aspects. Bryant is – personally, I, I don't know much about Wright State. I looked a little bit into Bryant. There wasn't a whole lot about Wright State to really no, be noteworthy, to be honest with you. They were just kind of like – they're just a pretty good basketball team is basically what it comes down to. Bryant, on the other hand, is a – they're kind of an oddity. I mean, I don't want to say oddity, but they've got – you know, I'm, I'll talk about it today. You know, I've got a, a list of players to watch. One of the players on Bryant's team is actually one of my players to watch. His name's Peter Kiss, and uh, he is <laughs> he is a, a unique and very, very, very good basketball player. Bryant is an interesting thing. Now, I, I saw earlier this morning when I jumped on FanDuel Sportsbook uh, just before the show started, Wright State is actually favored by three. I would pick Bryant in this game to win just because of, number one, I believe they have the best player on the court between the two teams in Peter Kiss. And number two, Bryant pay, plays the most uh, confusing style of defense, I think, maybe in the tournament. Like, they will, they'll play a 2-3, and then they'll switch to a man, and then they'll come back on the next, and they're playing pack line. They'll switch defenses in the middle of half-court sets. Like, it is a bizarre uh, the, the coach is screaming out calls, and they'll play trap, or they'll play zone, or they'll play man, or pack. I mean, they switch defenses on the fly. It is a bizarre situation, um, which makes me think that they're dangerous in a situation like in a play-in game against Wright State, who's just going to be like, you know, playing heads up kind of against them, like, our best against your best. Here we go. And I wouldn't fear for Arizona if, if Bryant is the team that gets through. Arizona's got four inches at every position on Bryant's team. Bryant does have a good player, and again, that, that amoeba defense that they're going to play is going to be uh, a, a challenge for Tommy Lloyd and the assistants to, to uh, scheme and overcome. But Arizona shouldn't have problems with a team like Bryant. I mean, they should blow their doors off. Uh, but I think it's an interesting concept tonight you may want to look for that when you're when you're watching the game tonight um so and, and again right state may end up winning that game by 15 we don't have to worry about it at all and then the other the other playing game of course rutgers and notre dame talked a little bit about it yesterday they'll get a chop opportunity to uh, to get into the tournament to play alabama on friday alabama is one of those weird teams alabama beat gonzaga this year alabama beat uh kentucky this year and then they lose games to like old miss <laughs> you're like wait what 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 are you doing they're a uh, they're a strange team to figure out. They might be the most inconsistent. Alabama and like they might be the most inconsistent team in the country, along with you know maybe like I mean Kentucky can be inconsistent at times. It just depends on who's on the floor for them. But we'll talk about all that kind of stuff. I, look, I could talk for days about college basketball. I, I'm I'm heavily involved in it. I mean, I uh, it's something that I've been involved with for a long time. I love college basketball. I watch a lot of it. I wish I could watch more of it. Now, I want to talk about this because Wildcat fans were very upset yesterday, and I get it. I get it. You know, we, we you know, take up for our guys. Uh, Arizona fans are very passionate about their players. They, 
you know, the, these players are in the community. We see them. Uh, we, you know, we see them. You know, at the, uh, at the, the you know, around campus, or if they head out, you know, we see them at the restaurants or the stores or whatever. And we feel like they're a part of our community, and we should. That's the wonderful one of the wonderful things about having, you know, a situation like is in Tucson where everybody kind of rallies around the campus, and it's right there. And it's Tucson's a smaller footprint. Um, you know, certainly smaller footprint than you know Phoenix or Los Angeles or something like that. But uh, you know, we, we feel like these kids are family, right? Especially the basketball players. Like basketball players, they're recognizable. They're not wearing shoulder pads and a helmet with a face mask. You can't see their faces on the field and stuff like that. Unless they're wearing their jersey, you wouldn't know the football players for the most part. Basketball players, first of all, they're on TV all the time. Second of all, when you sit, you sit so close to them that you can see them and they're you know there's just you just recognize the guys. So we take up for these guys. We have their back. And when it was announced yesterday, I got word that uh that that Ben Matherin the the AP All-American teams had been announced and that Benedict Matherin was uh named to the second team. Now, I put it on Twitter. I was like, "Hey, let's, you know, I basically just put the news out there like, okay, Arizona fans, let's congratulate Ben on his accolades here because this is, you know, this is great stuff. Arizona hasn't had a whole lot of, you know, AP All-Americans over the last 20 years or something. I it's it's tough for any team to get AP All-Americans. There's what is there? 355 schools times 14 players, 4,970 players essentially in Division 1 basketball. On nearly 5,000 players. And you're going to narrow it down to ten guys, the first and second teams. I mean, there's a, there's a you know the, the honorable mentioned as, as well, but you know literally it's five thousand guys trying to get on a ten man team. Not easy, unless you're the Big Ten, of course, and you've got three players in the first team. But regardless, so Arizona fans took to Twitter yesterday and they were pissed. Like this is disrespectful. Benedict Matherin deserves to be a first teamer. <coughs> okay. I applaud Arizona fans' passion. I really do. I mean, I, I, it is, it's a, it's a force of nature. But I got to be honest with you. Like second team All American is a very, very proud acknowledgement for Ben Dick Matherin for this Arizona Wildcat basketball team. For anyone, there's some really good players on that second team. Drew Timmy's on that team. I mean, he was an All American last year, and he's on the second team. There's some really, really good players. Jabari Smith is on the second team, who's one of the most unique players in college basketball. If you haven't seen Auburn play, you haven't seen Jabari Smith, he's basically Kevin Durant. Like, that's how he plays his game. He's remarkable. He's such a good basketball player. So to put Benedict Matherin in with the likes of, you know, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren and Jaden Ivey, who's one of the most explosive players. If you don't know who Jaden Ivey is of Purdue, if, if you've watched NBA action, you've seen John Morant. How can you not? ESPN has him on every single night highlight reels. He's like a taller version of John Morant. He is the fastest, most explosive player in the country. Like, he is sick. And he's on the second team. And he played for one of the best offensive teams in the country in Purdue. So for, for Benedict Matherin to be named to the second team is not a slight. I understand that Wildcat fans, I know you guys are passionate. I know you want your guys to be first and be best. I I applaud you for that. We want them to be that way. But I'd rather see them like, hey, wish you could have been recognized as a first-teamer. We all believe you are. 
but congratulations on your second team acknowledgement because that's huge. So Wildcat fans took to Twitter yesterday pissed off, and I found it rather funny. I was like, I was just watching, watching from afar, like, here we go. This is going to ignite somebody's fire, and they took off with it. Now, the one thing that you should be mad about, nobody was even discussing yesterday. I didn't put it on Twitter because I, I felt like I had already started a little bit of a fire and I didn't want to do any more. But it was announced yesterday, the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Awards, okay, the finalists. They, they picked four finalists for the Men's Naismith Defensive Player of the Year Award, and Christian Coloco ain't on the list, and that is a problem. Like, that is where I take exception with the voters that uh, that that you know the essentially been in responsible for uh, for these uh, for these finalists. The finalists of the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year award are Chet Holmgren of Gonzaga, Walker Kessler of Auburn, Oscar Shebway of of uh, Kentucky, and Mark Williams of Duke. Let me just quickly go through these here. Because uh, I don't want to spend too much time harping on this. I want to move on to more positive things and talk about things that are really going to matter at the end of the day, which are matchups, wins and losses, things like that. Chet Holmgren, Gonzaga, as one of the Defensive Player of the Year finalists, look, he's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. Yeah, sure. He's like the freakiest freak in college basketball. Seven foot seven wingspan, and he can shoot threes. And when you watch Gonzaga, when he goes to the bench, that's when other teams actually, like, get to score. They're like, oh, good, Chet Holmgren is on the bench. We can score now. Like, he's that good. He's a very, very good defensive player. He's the best player in college basketball. He's going to be the number one overall pick. I know he doesn't look like much. He looks like a wet noodle that couldn't fight his way out of a wet paper bag. But you know what? In basketball, you don't have to fight your way out of a wet paper bag. You have to be really skilled, and Chet Holmgren is. So I don't have any problem with Chet Holmgren being on that list. Walker Kessler is seven foot three, has an eight foot wingspan, is massive. I mean, he is. You'll see him when if you haven't seen Auburn play, he is the longest player. Like you're like, what is that? That guy he can stand flat footed and touch midway up the the uh, uh, like his wrists are above the rim. <clears throat> like he's a freak, and. Yeah, he's, he's the best shot blocker in America. Sure, he deserves to be on the list. Now, it, it I mean, he's not going to get out and defend the perimeter. He doesn't have the footwork. He's not quick enough to do that. He can't get down in the stance to guard a six foot four wing player. He just you, you, they don't ask him to do that because he can't. Okay, Oscar Shibway, phenomenal player, Kentucky probably plays with more desire, more fire, more heart, more intensity, more effort than any guy that I've seen this season. I mean, that guy plays his ass off. He's six foot eight, and he goes out there. He's the best rebounder. I think I think he's the best rebounder in the history of basketball, like the last 30 years or whatever since they've been kind of doing the metrics side of, of college basketball. He's metrically the best rebounder in the history of the game. Like he's ridiculously good rebounder. But he's limited defensively. He's not the fastest guy in the world. Uh, he's sometimes I don't want to say he's not. He's not lazy. He just can't. He can't keep up with some of the smaller players. He doesn't have great technique. He doesn't play with great leverage in that aspect. 
he's not a great defensive player. Doesn't deserve to be on this list, but because he rebounds so incredibly well, and Kentucky's a very good defensive team, Calipari makes sure that he he preaches a lot of defense from his teams. Uh, but Oscar Shibway is not a better defender than Christian Coloco, and I would stake my career on that. Mark Williams of Duke. I this is the one that really bothers me the most. Like Shibway, he's he he gives a maximum amount of effort. He's he's a tough player. He plays hard, gets in a lot of foul trouble, but that's fine. That's the way he plays. It's just he's just a hard player. Mark Williams of Duke, seven footer, okay, gets plenty of block shots. I think was second in the ACC in block shots. If you watch him play, though, like this is not like apparently these people were just looking at who are the top shot blockers in the country, and we're just going to give those guys the nod here. Bro, like Mark Williams can't defend anybody. Like he can't defend. He it sure if he's just standing at the rim, he's long and he can jump and he can he can block shots. But my God, if you watch Mark Williams try to play defense, he's the worst pick and roll defender on Duke's team. Like the worst. Teams go at 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 Mark Williams all the time. At at as long as you can get a body between yourself and and the you put yourself between he and the rim he ain't doing squat against you he is not a good defender he's not even i'm saying he's not even a good defender does not belong on this list christian coloco who led the conference in block shots this year in the pac12 has largely been asked to go out and because there have been many times where down the stretch tommy lloyd needs to get stops in late in games and we play the twin towers right Umar Balo at the five, Christian Coloco at the four. Well, in this league, a lot of teams have gone small against Arizona, trying to keep up with their pace, trying to find fresh bodies who aren't too tired out there. So they go small. Christian Coloco finds himself on a 6-6 wing, time over and time again. How many times those guys score? They don't. He's by far the best defensive player in this conference. And he's damn well better than Oscar Shibway and Mark Stinkin' Williams. Guaranteed he's better than both those guys. Chet Holmgren, whatever. Number one overall pick. He's the number one pick in the NBA draft. Fine. Put him on every list. I got no problem with that. Walker Kessler is a one-trick pony, but he's really damn good at it. Like, you do not score at the rim against Auburn when Walker Kessler's in the game. You just don't. I've watched them play 15 times this year. He's remarkable. Good. Put him on the list. He deserves to be. Oscar Shibway, only guy in the country to average two blocks and two steals. Fine. But he's not a better defender than Christian Coloco. Period. And Mark Williams, don't deserve to be on this. No Duke players deserve to be on a defensive player of the year list. They they don't play defense at Duke. They haven't for a decade. That's where I got mad. Like, I saw that list, I'm like, oh, no, hell no. Hell no, no. you got to be kidding me. (laughs) Like, I just wish that people that actually watched the game of basketball were voting on these things. Like, watch them play. Now, granted, I'm probably more biased for Christian Coloco in his favor because I get to sit courtside every single night and watch him play outside of road games. But those games I watch on TV. I know what he can do. I know what his value is to this team defensively and offensively. But defensively, 
he gets asked to do so much. I mean, you, you read his scouting report in the NBA. The, the NBA scouting report on, on, uh, on Christian Coloco. Let's see here. Let me, get, let me get to it real quick. I have it here because he's in the latest mock draft. I think he's right around like 26 or something like that. There he is, 27 to the Miami Heat, according to this particular scout. Pac-12 player, defense of the year, most improved player. Coloco is the best shot blocker in Arizona history. Uh, seven foot war, seven foot four wingspan has outstanding mobility and quickness. Getting off of his feet make him a force both around the rim as well as covering ground on the perimeter as well as any big player in the country. He's often asked to guard smaller players in Arizona's jumbo lineups. Uh, then it goes on to talk about his offense. He's an excellent finisher. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, he's a matchup nightmare for teams because he's so good defensively, down low and on the perimeter. He can guard both. He can take a guard. He can take a center. People talk about his physicality. There's nothing wrong with Christian Coloco's physicality. He's plenty strong to hold up. Christian's biggest problem is, is that he gets too physical. He fouls people, right? Like, that's, that's his biggest drawback. He gets in foul trouble because he gets to play too physical. Christian will learn more about how to play the game with – with more experience will come, you know, these types of, of uh, this types of wisdom to be able to play down low, play physically without fouling or at least not getting caught. That's his only drawback defensively is that he fouls too much trying to play too physical with guys because guys try to play physical with him. You ask every coach in this conference, the other 11 coaches that played Arizona this year, the one thing I mean, they, okay, they'll talk about math and they'll talk about their athleticism. They'll talk about their scoring. They'll talk about this. Every single coach will agree that Arizona was probably, if not the most, the second most physical team they played in conference this year, period. All of them, every single one of them, all 11 of the opposing coaches would say the same thing. They would all agree on that, that Arizona is a physical team. Christian Coloco is no slouch. Leaving him off the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year finals is... That's ridiculous. It, it is absurd. That's disrespectful. Benedict Matherman getting second team All-American, no disrespect there. You look at the players he's alongside, awesome players. Guys are going to be lottery. They're all lottery picks, all of them, just like Ben. Second team All-American, ain't so bad. Oh, by the way, he's also playing for the best team in the country and has the numbers to back it up. So, second-team All-American, no disrespect. Christian Gologo being left off the finalist for Defensive Player of the Year, absolute disrespect. Look what he did to Kofi Coburn when they went to Champaign. Kofi couldn't score. <sighs> Buck shots on the perimeter. He plays guard. I mean, I, what else do you want him to do? <laughs> Put that man on the list. My God, Mark Williams from Duke, get out of here. I mean, seriously. I'm mad. I'm upset about this. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> oh, Mary's mad at me. She's screaming at me right now. Sorry. That's a really long first segment. All right. We're going to take a timeout. It might be a pretty lengthy timeout, but we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk about Arizona's road to the Final Four. What does it look like? There are some people out there that think Arizona has some problems. I'll address those next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. It's the Tucson Appliance Company March Brackets Challenge. 
If you've got the best bracket, there's chances to win prizes from Tucson Appliance and our friends at Corona. Go to ESPNTucson.com today, right now. Don't delay because it's got to be your, your bracket's got to be in before 9 a.m. tomorrow. So you got to fill them out. Get your bracket in there. You have to be 18 years or older to uh, to participate. There's information and rules on ESPNTucson.com. But if you win or if you're one of the top three brackets, there's cool prizes waiting for you. A third-place prize is a $100 Visa gift card. Second place is a cool Corona prize pack valued at well over $250. It includes a 40-quart Grizzly cooler, awesome, Corona patio umbrella, awesome, and a $50 Visa gift card. So you can... Fill that cooler with all kinds of delicious Corona. And first place, $500 Visa gift card. So get in on that. It's the Tucson Appliance Company March Brackets Challenge only on ESPNTucson.com. Go to the website, fill out your bracket, get it in today. Get it in before the first game tips off tomorrow at 9 a.m. Uh, and uh, and you could win, and good luck. Uh, just so you know, uh, programming notes, again, tomorrow and Friday, Thursday and Friday, I will be on the air from 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. We'll be cutting the, the show one hour short because we have to turn it over to March Madness because we are your home, your radio home in Tucson for March Madness. You can check the games right here, and coverage begins at 8 a.m. both Thursday and Friday, so I'll be cutting my show an hour short. All right, timeout. Uh, we'll come back. We'll pull, we'll do some more uh, Wildcat talk because, again, there's an article in the, uh, in the uh, uh, San Jose Mercury News. John Wilner, of course, uh, very... I don't know. If he's, I don't know if he's popular. He's certainly famous. Pac-12 writer says that there are potential problems and weaknesses for Arizona. I will address those next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on fourteen ninety AM, one hundred four nine FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Wednesday morning. Talking uh, Wildcat basketball, ready for March Madness. Now, John Wilner of the San Jose Mercury News, whether you like his stuff or don't like his stuff, whatever, you have to, we all agree that he writes more about the Pac-12 than anybody in the country does. Um, You know, he talks, that's all he does. He is a Pac-12 writer. Um, and there are plenty of times that I don't agree with John Wilner, especially when he said that I sounded like Peyton Manning over the PA speakers at Arizona Stadium. Like, what are you talking about? I do not sound like Peyton Manning. Why he thought that I sounded like Peyton Manning is beyond me. But regardless, he wrote an article basically stating the potential weaknesses for Arizona in their run to a Final Four or a national championship, wherever that may end. Okay, He has five five notes here and he and he spoke with Don McLean and with Matt Muehlbach both very well versed in Arizona basketball uh Don McLean because he's the lead analyst for the Pac-12 network for college basketball um uh, here in the in the uh, in the West Coast and Matt Muehlbach of course also one of the lead analysts and former player of course we all know Matty great guy and so he you know he went to them and and talked with them basically about their thoughts about Arizona's Weaknesses going into the final four. They don't have, or going into the the the, uh, the tournament. They don't have a whole lot of weaknesses, but they wanted to find out where potential pitfalls could be. And I want to talk about that for a moment because number one on the list is tempo trouble. They say that that tempo uh, facing teams potentially that slow the slow the ball down 
is going to be a problem for Arizona. It says, according to the Ken Pomeroy Advanced Metrics, Arizona is number eight nationally in adjusted tempo of the title contenders. Only Gonzaga plays faster. Now, it says that Villanova, the number two seed, is 340, uh, 345th nationally in adjusted tempo. Houston, the number five seed, these are all South region teams, a potential Sweet 16 opponent, plays sm- uh, slower than all but five teams in the NCAA field. Both of the possible second-round foes, TCU and Seton Hall, are also more comfortable at jogging than they are sprinting. Here's my This is my response to people who say that playing a team that that slows the ball down is going to be tough for Arizona. It's not. Okay. It, it it's just, it just simply isn't <laughs> when teams slow the ball down, when they, when they slow the pace down, it's because they want to make sure that they're keeping the score close. All right. If Arizona continues to play great defense and if they continue to be one of the leading teams in the country in uh, uh, field goal percentage defense, and basically not allowing teams to shoot efficiently, then rebounding is what affects the tempo of the game. If you're allowing a team to dig into their half-court sets, like a, and they play a Princeton four-corners offense, and they either uh, you know swing the ball around the perimeter three times before taking a shot, or they just run... Uh, you know, a, a, a single pick, a single high pick and roll with a with the floor spread out, and if you allow that team to get easy buckets, you're in for a really long, painful day. You, I mean, that's just that's just the the short and skinny of it. That's where tempo can get you into a problem because you won't have the time to make up for your bad defense. But playing a team who plays slowly is not going to shut Arizona down. What's going to potentially the potential shutdown for Arizona is if they don't defend if they give up easy buckets in those slowdown games because that's when buckets mean more, right? It's like, it's like in hockey uh, you know, or soccer. Every goal means more because there's not as many scored. So in a game of basketball, if you're Arizona who's used to scoring you know, 118 points per 100 possessions, if that number gets dropped down to 98 points per 100 possessions, then, yeah, those buckets count a hell of a lot more. But this, this idea that playing these teams that slow the game down like TCU or, or Villanova or Houston is going to cause Arizona problems, the tempo is not a problem. If Arizona defends and gets the rebound, then guess what? We play our tempo. So tempo, I, I, I've never understood this. And all the analysts are like, oh, tempo. If Arizona plays a tempo team, they're going to have problems. They're not going to have problems. They'll have problems if they don't defend the slow-tempo teams. <laughs> I just I don't understand this. Everybody wants to jump. Anytime, anytime a team who plays fast plays against a team who doesn't play fast, they always think it's the team that plays slow that has the advantage. It's not the case. I, I covered the Suns for years. Mike D'Antoni and I, I would sit in Mike D'Antoni's office for an hour after games, and we would just talk basketball. Just sit there and talk basketball. Feet up on the desk, just chit-chatting. And the Suns, obviously, you know, the seven seconds or less, had that tempo, and they would play the Spurs, or they'd play another, you know, the Jazz, who slowed things down back in the day with Jerry Sloan, okay? And people would be like, oh, that's, you know, the, the Suns can't play against the slowdown teams. And Mike and I would laugh about it. We're like, the Suns score, you know, plenty of fast-break baskets against those teams, the problem is they just wear down defensively 
and they don't have the they don't have the defensive prowess to keep up with those teams, and they allow easy buckets, especially late in games when buckets mean more. And that's where they that's where the Suns would eventually lose in a, in a lengthy series against the slowdown team. But in a one game scenario, tempo means about as much as I, I, I mean, I, it really doesn't. Like it's it's all about can you defend teams slowing you know deflating taking the air out of the ball and stuff all that does is limit possessions if arizona still continues to score at their regular pace offensively then the other team can take as long as they damn well please on on the offensive side of the ball that's fine arizona has to spend a little more energy on defense because if those teams are active on offense and if a team like cuz that's the way oregon has been for years right under dana altman Oregon is very active on offense, but they don't shoot the ball until after, you know, 15, 16, 17 seconds have run off the clock. So they keep you working on defense. Meanwhile, they're just, you know, running the weave or whatever. Uh, you know, Peyton Pritchard should drive me nuts. They'd run that three-man weave four times on an offensive player. Like, God, but the defensive players have to trail. You can't leave a wide-open wide shooter or a pick-and-roll. So defense has to work. That's, that's where Arizona may get into trouble is if they – get into a team who slows it down and works the perimeter that way. Houston's kind of similar to that, but Houston's not the slowest team in the country. They're just one of the slower in the in the tournament. He also talks about Kirk Kreese's ankle. Obviously, duh, okay, sure. He's uh, arguably Arizona's most important player. Sure, if he can't play, Arizona's going to have issues going deep in this tournament. Okay, tell me something that we don't know. He says traffic jams. Number three is traffic jams. Several Pac-12 opponents opted to pack the lane against the Wildcats, limiting their ability to penetrate and use their big men, Christian Coloco, Julius Tabellas, Umar Balo, in pick-and-roll situations. Well, Arizona's been working on that, John, um, for about six, seven weeks now. Ever since, well, basically since Pac-12 play began, because in Pac-12 play, that's when they started, teams started to pack the lane. They're like, we can't give up these easy pick-and-rolls where they're just moving to the bucket, un, you know, unattended. You know what Arizona's been working on those last six, seven, eight weeks? Throws over the top. And guess who the tallest team in the country is? Yep, bingo. So uh, we'll move on from that because Arizona solved that little problem. Uh, Rock fights. Okay, every team has to worry about rock fights. If you don't know what a rock fight is, it's basically where it's just every possession is a grind because either both teams are so evenly matched – that it's a grind, or it's just that both teams stylistically are playing that way. And Arizona has been in a few rock fights this year. They've, they have. They've won all of them. Okay? Arizona's loss to Tennessee was largely because they turned the ball over 11,000 times in the first five minutes of the game, gave up easy buckets, and then couldn't get to the foul line uh, late in the game, they, 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 they Tennessee. Look, Tennessee to their credit, they play great defense without fouling. The SEC officials allowed them to play their style in that game, and that hurt Arizona. That will not happen again. Arizona had learned their lesson from that. The other two losses were clunkers on the road. You get those. Every team has them. Team hasn't gone undefeated since the '75 Hoosiers. So let's just throw that out the window. Every team loses games. Period. End of story. No matter how great they are, the greatest college basketball team i've ever seen kentucky lost two games okay so let's not let's not sit here and say oh these losses are no okay 
Uh, Arizona, yeah, you get into a rock fight. Any team gets into a rock fight, anything is possible. That's what happens in the NCAA tournament. Arizona is not – there's no team that is strong in a rock fight, okay? It's all about – at that point, it comes down to focus and execution. That's, that's just it. Like, UCLA was in four rock fights – or, yeah, four, four, five rock fights last year in the NCAA tournament. They won the majority of them just because – they were able to focus and execute better than the opposing team. But all those games were rock fights, all of them. And the other problem that he lists here is something called passivity problems. He said that Arizona's most glaring weakness is that their lack of NCAA experience. Tommy Lloyd, in his first year as head coach, only one player with postseason, uh, postseason experience in Umar Balo. He says the, the Wildcats have played for four months without the burden, burden of being a favorite, and now they are the favorite with a target on their back. I got news for you, John. <laughs> I've traveled with the Arizona basketball team. I'm around this team a lot. They have a target on their back everywhere they go, every day, they, every time they play, period. It's Arizona, for God's sakes. It says Arizona on the front. That means you have a target on your back, period. Arizona's played with plenty of pressure this year. <laughs> Don't give me that uh, Arizona's just completely pressure-free for four months. That's horse crap. That you're, 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 just, you're just trying to fill space in your article. That, doesn't, that, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Obviously not familiar with how intense games are at home and on the road because every player wants to show out in front of the fans at McHale Center. Every team that comes in there wants to play and wants to get a win in McHale. That's a, that is a notch on your belt. If you get a win at McHale, and at home, you want to defend home court against Arizona. You do not want Arizona coming into your house and rolling you. More so than any other team in this conference, Arizona has had a target on their back from day one. Don't give me this crap that they've played easy and carefree through the Pac-12. You're fooling yourself. So there's my little take on John Wilner's article today or yesterday about Arizona's weaknesses. Give me a break. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll get to uh, talk some more March Madness. I also have some NFL news to get into. We talk NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. Still a whole lot more to come. Stay tuned right here to ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. If you haven't noticed by now, I'm a little fired up today. <laughs> I've got opinions, man. Like, And it's funny because like, Arizona fans are up in arms about Benedict Mathurin being the second team All-American. And I'm like, that's great. That's great news. I'm happy for Ben. Like, that is an amazing honor. Congratulations, my dude. You have totally earned it. <laughs> Arizona fans are like, screw the NCAA and these voters and the AP sucks and nobody watches anything out west. And Meanwhile, Christian Coloco is left off of the finalist list of the Defensive Player of the Year for two guys. Okay, Shibui is a decent defender, not the the realm of defender that, that Christian Coloco is, but certainly, you know, if there were five finalists and Christian Coloco and Oscar Shibwe were on the list, I would have no problem with it. But Mark Williams from Duke, give me a freaking break. Good God. And then this nonsense from Wilner. 
You know, it's funny. You know, in the article, he's talking with with uh, Don McLean, whom I hated for my entire life. Like I couldn't stand the guy because he was a killer, right? I mean, Arizona fans know this dude. <laughs> like the guy killed Arizona when he was at UCLA. He is the most supportive, <laughs> the most supportive analyst in the country when it comes to Arizona. He doesn't have a bad thing to say about the Wildcats at all. Like, I've seen articles, I've seen uh, television interviews he's done, heard radio interviews he's done. Like, he, he's all roses for Arizona. And then you got Matt Muehlbach, <laughs> former letter winner, and he's like, well, there's, there's a problem. Arizona could, uh, you know, get into a rock fight. Arizona could see troubles there. I just, it's funny. I'm not saying that Matt, he's against Arizona. He just, I think he's trying more to be, not sound like a homer, which is perfectly great for him. I, you, you have to do that. If you want any kind of credibility nationally, you can't just be like, I went to Arizona and I think they're the best team in the country. You may think that, but you have to be careful how you say that because otherwise people will just be like, eh, homer. Me, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not national. I don't give a rip. I say what I want, do what I want. All right. I'm going to do what I want and say what I want in hour number two. It's a two-minute break. We'll be right back. Stay tuned here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tanka Verde. KMXC HD4 Tucson.